0: Welcome, everybody, to the Sales and Marketing Built Freedom, I would say podcast, but it's kind of a show now because we're on on LinkedIn Live. And of course, I got Christina Finseth on with me today. Super excited to have Christina on. She was on my Enterprise Sales Summit, absolutely killed it. And Christina, just for those of you that do not know, Christine is actually the head of growth at Interstellar. And the creator of the Outbound Fire framework for email prospecting, which is absolutely amazing. So, welcome, lady. It's awesome to have you on.
1: Yeah, I know. I feel like uh, first of all, it's been too long since the last time we chatted, and yeah, I'm excited to be back on. You know, chatting with you again. We always yeah, have good stuff.
0: Yeah, well, no, I, and I appreciate that because yeah, it was it's funny like. I like. I went through a sprint for like three months where I was talking to people constantly about the summit, and then like I felt like an adult that went on spring break, and I came back and I was like hungover for like a, a couple weeks or whatever, and then had to recover. Yeah, so yeah. I went into hiding for a little bit. Now you know I'm I'm trying to grow this thing, which I'm not quite sure if I like it or not yet. I'm not. I'm not. I don't know. I kind. Of, I feel like I kind of look like I, I just have given up for the holidays and I, I don't like that look right now, you know, but anyways. Um, so, so tell us, so give everybody a little bit of a background about you. So I know you're doing yeah. some amazing things right now. And uh, like I said, your, your uh, video performed really, really well on the enterprise sales summit. And in, in terms of like people watching the entire way through like start to finish. And so give us, give us a little background about you. I mean, I know about you, but for the folks listening and checking it out and then we'll, we'll take it from there.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I have an interesting background, right? Um, I won't bore you with the earlier parts of my background, but I've spent most of my time, you know, over the last five years in marketing and sales. Uh, And in fact, from, I guess, June of last year to July of this year, I was in the weeds in the trenches doing full-cycle sales for a year-long experiment um, before I migrated back over into the marketing world um, but what's really cool is you know in my role I'm owning both the marketing side of the business which obviously includes a lot of facets uh, but then I also get to oversee sales development so it's never boring lots of fun um, and Got my first SDR on the team, Erica, and I'm telling you what, she's using the Outbound Fire Framework and has already booked seven meetings with our target accounts nice. in less than two weeks of being operational, which is wow. pretty cool to like, sit back and watch and just empower her to just come in and kill it. So we're having a good time over here.
0: <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean... Well, you know it works, right? And other people told you it works, but it's it's also good to bring someone in and just see it like take off right away. So, uh, so, let, so let's go a little further back. So, I want to dig into to the the framework. I want to see how you're leveraging it with like Thanksgiving and Christmas and and Hanukkah and whatever other holiday there is out there that I'm I'm neglecting right now. But I think it'd be awesome for people just to kind of hear your story and kind of like how you got to this point. You know, from a high level, and yeah. um, you went from. I know you, you did a lot of work too with RabbitGenius in terms of, of fueling the growth there and now you're doing an interseller, creating your own framework. So yeah, give us, how do we get here?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the interesting part. You know, people are always, I'm sure if you look at a salesperson who has to do some sort of outbound email. Um, If you look at their search engine, they're probably searching for templates that work, right? Um, It's sometimes hard to start from scratch and try to ideate and figure out what's gonna work for you. And I think, you know, leading to this point where I have this framework, it's working, it's working well, it's been working the last, I'd say probably 10 plus months for us with slight iterations that did not happen overnight. So I just want to be clear on that there. And I also want to be clear on the fact that there's no silver bullet, right? Um, No two prospects are created the same. And what you use to get the attention of one prospect may not work on the next. And so I'm a big fan of multi-channel and really just trying to figure out different creative ways to get in front of people. But with that said, you know, I was in marketing before I came into sales. And so... And I come from a content marketing, copywriting background. So I like to think that creative writing comes fairly easily to me as compared to certain people. Um, but translating into sales from marketing is not apples to apples. And just because I was a good writer on the marketing side didn't mean I was a good writer on the sales side. And so I spent a lot of time in the beginning writing what I felt were really good one-to-many kind of sales campaigns, probably more on the side of marketing. Mm-hmm. And I would get, you know, 60% plus open rates. I'd get, you know, a 1 to 2% conversion to book meetings. And I was like, all oh, right, this is going pretty good. That's that's pretty good. Um and then COVID happened. And right before COVID happened, I had been consuming some content from Beth Collins, who I love and admire. She's so mm-hmm. awesome. and it was all this information about, like, reverse engineering content on this form to fuel a basis for conversation. And so I started trying to put a spin on that and figure mm-hmm. out how to apply that here at Interstellar. Um, and so we started doing much more lower quantity, high quality super personalized outreach. And that's how the framework was born. Um, in our initial testing, we were at, you know, 20% plus book meeting rates. Nice. So, okay, why aren't we doing this? <laughs> we need to do more of this instead of casting wider nets. Um And that was uncomfortable for a lot of us, including myself. You know, think about reaching out to 20 people versus 300, you know. Um, but now you fast forward to today and we're still running that framework and it's, turned into this seven to nine step process that really works for us
0: so it's, it's truly the the whole uh, quality over quantity approach right instead of the right the wham bam spam right you're you're you drop that down massively but then just get hyper targeted and customize um is that accurate so like is that accurate first of all is that like how you is that a good summary of it
1: It's a good summary of it. But I think the more important part, and I talked about this in the summit too, um, is we don't say anything about a product, a service, a problem or a solution, you know, which is very, very hard for people to wrap their heads around. Um, There's a lot of great advice out there. And the approach of, you know, digging into the pain and being relevant and, you know, things like that. Yeah, it does work for certain people. But what we found and what I really surfaced from this is, if you have an email,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's all about your prospect, whether it's something they wrote, something they accomplished, some sort they could like burritos, you know, and they put that on their profile and you use that as a basis for conversation. Man, I love burritos. Here's my favorite kind. What's your favorite kind? Um, if you have a message that cuts through the noise and gets them to go, hmm, this is interesting. They will do their own research and figure out what it is you do. You're putting the onus to research on them. You're also banking on the fact that your website's on point with your messaging. Um, but you're, you're almost turning an outbound lead into an inbound lead is what I kind of, you know, call it at this point. Uh, because you're just trying to get their attention. It's up to them to do that research and determine okay, let me connect the dots here. Um, and it also relies on the fact that you know your ICP and you know who you're trying to target, right? So there's a couple of components that have to be in place there, but I think the biggest piece here is our philosophy is very different and we just don't approach it with any kind of sales tactics in mind.
0: So, yeah, and and that's all about them, yeah. which, which is not usually what you see. Like, I mean, I can't even tell you how many, I'm looking at my my LinkedIn <laughs> direct messaging box on the other screen. And it's just like, yep. thanks for connecting. How are you doing? Would you like to book 15 minutes of time? You know, like a lot of spammy, uh, spammery, yeah. a lot of spammery, if you will. So I'd love to hear just kind of the underpinnings of that. I know we talked about some of this before, but like for those that, that are listening to this for the first time and, and, and didn't hear your talk in completion, Can you just kind of walk through a little more granularly, like how to make that a reality and and what that means exactly to you?
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, let's just go ahead and say it's safe to assume that you have a target list of accounts, you know, your ICP, you know who you're after. Um, I kind of have an order of prioritization in how we conduct research and decide like what to infuse in the message, because I think that's probably the one part, at least from the AEs on the team here. Um, that's the hardest to kind of wrap your head around is like the creative aspect of like, what should I use to personalize? Um, that's usually what people get hung up. And so what we usually do is we'll, we know our target accounts. we go and look mm-hmm. at the decision makers and the people we want to reach out to, and we try to go with someone who is somewhat active on LinkedIn if that exists in that organization, right? right? And I say, if that exists, because I know that there are some ICPs that do not have activity on LinkedIn, so we'll get to that. But I will go in and look at, you know, the, the decision of profiles, I will see, like, what are they posting? And it could be as simple as sharing an article on Forbes, or it could be a short-form post where they're talking about a story, which is great, right? Um, if that does not exist, then I go to, okay, what are they liking and commenting on, right? Like, mm-hmm. what are they engaging with that I can potentially use to start a conversation? Oh, you like so-and-so's quote. I love that. It really resonated with me. Um, and then it yeah, doesn't exist because that is the case sometimes.
2: Then mm-hmm.
1: you go know, LinkedIn page. What's the company putting out? Do they have a regular blog? Is there some sort of announcement? Do they have pictures from their team outing? Like, what could you use from that to start a conversation more broadly? And if that doesn't exist, then company website, Google company news, is there a press release? You know, just kind of like digging into more of those pieces. Um the use of one of those three exists. Okay. If they don't, then you can start with your recommendations on their profile, things in their summary, something. I mean, there's so much you can scrape up about being creative.
0: Mm-hmm. Do, do you ever leverage other platforms like Twitter or Facebook as well if they're not on LinkedIn?
1: I don't. Yeah, but I see how that can be relevant depending on who you're going after. You know, I think Twitter can be a really good one because people put really nice little sound bites there um, that you can pull from. So that definitely could happen. But, you know, we're like the way that our tech stack works is we really surface most of our research through like Sales Navigator and, um, you know, LinkedIn itself. Uh, And then that kind of fuels the rest of our engine here from like the email Mm -hmm. automation standpoint and the personalization standpoint. So we're really uh we're really just most of that off of linkedin as like an initiation point
0: okay have you heard of spark toro at all i haven't so justin walsh talks about it is is a great resource to find out like where your audience is like living hanging out what podcasts are listening to shows and, and things like that so um don't know it might be something that could could help you with with what you're talking about because it's pretty cool um I don't know if it's it's down to the individual level, but you could type in keywords and you could see like like um, pocketing of different groups and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, and there's some cool ways you can do this too if you have time. um, And time is obviously important. You can also do kind of the reverse of this, and it's kind of like figuring out where your prospects live, but it's more about like figuring out where your prospects are engaging and what type of content they're engaging, and that's where. I think you know this secret, Ryan, but just, uh, you know, being able to search for content, whether it's through hashtags on LinkedIn, like recruiting, for example, or hiring. You know, those are probably two big ones right now. Um, And being able to surface viral content that a lot of people are commenting and engaging on and then using that entire post for one campaign. You know, maybe like forty people on there who commented that could be someone you want to engage with. Mm-hmm. You're you're working smarter, not harder, there by creating kind of a similar message for all of them based on that. You know.
0: Yeah. Well, then you just kind of go up and down the comments, right, and leverage yep. that, which is, I think, I think is great. So, like, what's the the best outcome? We'll get into some of the mechanics. I know we're talking, we're hitting more of the the you know how how to be relevant um, yep. and connect. The what's in it for them. So what would you say about that though like in terms of um what's what's the best result you've gotten from a single post in terms of like prospecting to it? In
2: Ooh. terms of you know? Yeah,
1: I know it right off the top of my head because it's just wow. so stand wow. out. Um I had a post and it was actually I'll, I'll tell you. It was a post about cuz uh, just to give some color here. Um RICP's external recruiting teams.
2: Okay. recruitment
1: agencies is what probably a lot of people call them. Um, but there was a a recruiter from Amazon who put out a post saying, and this is towards the beginning of COVID, this is probably my testing phase of our framework. And they said, if you are looking for a job right now, you should not be engaging with recruitment agencies. Well, duh. Who do you think is going to comment on that? all the people who own recruitment agencies or lead in recruitment agencies who are like, us uh, through you, like, yeah, you should be. Um, and so I was like, Oh, this is a really good opportunity right now. And so I created a campaign just around that. And the one piece that changed out was what each prospect was saying, like a little excerpt from what they were saying in that post. But my subject was, Hey, um, you know, hey, Tom, I disagree with Ingrid's post, too. That's exactly what, you know, the the subject was. Gets people to, to respond, or at least open. Um, that got a 95% open rate, and I sent it to 40 people. I got a 20% booking rate.
2: Nice. Within, a week.
1: within a week. I didn't even have to have two follow-ups go out before I had a 20 percent book meeting rate right off of that so like that's just one idea and they don't always happen that way right that's like a magical right. that was a magical moment all right um, <laughs> it was like someone just literally gave me an assist right and i just took it and slam dunked it um that doesn't happen all the time that way but that was those are the kind of opportunities that when you come across them like seize them go with your gut Build a campaign off of it, and I guarantee you you're probably going to get some sort of traction, especially if it's super relevant.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And obviously, emotional chord was struck there, too.
1: Yeah, uh, you're playing the emotional play. Absolutely.
0: Now, let, let's get into it. So you just run a sequence. So what does that look like? Can you walk people through that?
1: Yeah, so we. So uh, this is the part that I love saying. I actually am not scared to say it. We don't do any cold calling. Mm-hmm. The SDR team here does not do any cold calling. We are strictly email and LinkedIn are pretty much our two channels um, with obviously email being kind of the crux of it. Right. So we have four emails in our cadence. And in between those emails, there are LinkedIn actions that happen. So we have our really highly personalized, what I would call building block template for step one that's where we're infusing that really nice research and really taking the time to hit it home. And I think the important thing to note here too, is that we will try and thread to all of the emails that we send. We're not sending one with a subject line and sending a second one with a different subject line. Because it doesn't turn it doesn't really on the story, right? There's a story to tell. And if I am Joe and I am super busy, and I did not get that first email that you worked so hard to personalize. And now I'm getting a second email, and I have nothing to refer back to. You've lost, right? I have nothing to refer back to when I have the time to actually dig in. So we thread everything, but in between that, we do LinkedIn connection requests.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think the other thing that's important to note here is that we are outcome based at each step.
0: Do what at each step? I'm sorry.
1: Outcome-based at each step, and what I mean by yeah. that is, when we do a LinkedIn connection request, it's not to connect the dots between the fact that we're emailing you too. It is simply to get them to accept, right? Mm-hmm. And so whatever you need to do to get them to accept, whether it's you know doing some other type of personalization based on their profile or using something very simple, like, hey, we're running similar circles and I'd like to connect. That, we want them to accept so that it opens up the opportunity to do additional things later, like LinkedIn voice messages. If they don't accept our connection request, then we do a lot of LinkedIn engagement with them. So it's commenting on their posts, Mm -hmm. things like that in between steps. Um, And, you know, sometimes that gets people to accept that connection request later. And that's when the cadence becomes nine steps instead of seven steps because we'll then take the opportunity to do that voice message later because it's that powerful.
0: Okay, gotcha.
2: Yeah. And then,
0: which totally makes sense, right? You're, you're, um, so then walking through. So you got the first one, that's, that's like the, I don't want to say the crown jewel, right? They, they, uh, it's, it starts it all. Then you got the, the LinkedIn request and or comment if they don't, uh, accept yeah. that LinkedIn request after certain, uh, amount of days, right? Yep. And then then you go back to email. Is that right?
1: If email one is the, like you said, kind of the, the focal point, right? The really personalized crown jewel. And then we have the LinkedIn connection request, the bump email. And that bump email is not a bump email in the traditional sense. It's not like, hey, I'm just bringing this back up to your inbox or hey, just circling back. It's, hey, I came across this article and I thought you would like it. I want to share this with you. And by the way, still would love to connect. right? It's more, you know, what can we give? Um, Then we do the LinkedIn voice message or comment on a LinkedIn post if that, you know, connection didn't happen. Then we have a third email. Again, another give. And then we have a follow-up bump to the voice message. So it's usually like a gif. It's like someone like peeking up from behind the fence or kind of sad because we haven't heard back. Um, and then you know we have our fourth and kind of like final email that happens, mm-hmm. and then we repeat we repeat the fun later, you know. But um, no, really, we have a different way that we re-engage those people who don't don't make traction there. But that's that's really what we end up doing, um, and that's what's worked best for us. And it's really seven seven touch points over a 13 day period.
0: It's nice. And and when you're talking about that, Christina, like. You said, so before the, let's see, so before you had the LinkedIn request, the bump email, the bump value email, if you will, the value bump, we put a value bump, right? Then what was the LinkedIn step in between there?
1: Yeah, then it's the voice message. If the Uh, voice message doesn't happen, then you do the comment on one of their posts or you tag them in a post or something, right? Something that might be relevant just to kind of trigger their brain a little bit more and then. At that point, sometimes it takes those actions for people to say, all right, they're engaging with me. I'm going to accept their connection request now. So, again, nice. outcome based at each step.
0: And which, which step, I mean, like how often on average do, does it break through? What step is it usually?
1: Yeah, so this is the interesting part because we don't convert at every step. However, I will tell you, there is a reason for having the steps the way that they are, because the spacing also matters between your actions, Mm -hmm. Um, namely the things you're doing on LinkedIn, right? Because everyone's connecting and pitching, and most of them are, like, connecting and pitching the same thing, (laughs) you know, in their request, or, you know, they're just pitching, like, almost immediately. And so we intentionally have that voice message happening, you know, sometimes five days later. From a connection being accepted, and then a bump a little bit later. Um, so, you know, I think going back to your question that I totally already lost off the top of my head. You said, what did you say?
0: I was asking, like, is there, like, what's the the best conversion step usually? Uh and do they, you know?
1: Thank you. Yeah. So they don't all convert. Um, we do get a pretty high amount that come off of the first step. We get a pretty decent amount that come off of the um, the second, like the second email, the third step, um, and to believe it or not, uh, f- out of the seven meetings that Erica's booked on the team, two of them came from step four, which is a LinkedIn voice message. So nice, yeah, and
0: and this is when we talked before. We're rocking seventy percent open rate, thirty percent. Reply and 20% book meeting ish?
1: More around, like, let's just say 10% and b- a little bit above. Um, we have some campaigns that are just slightly under that 10%. We have some that are, you know, I have one in the UK right now that I'm running that's at 13%. So, yeah, they kind of vary, between that, but 10 is our personal baseline of what we try to aim for from a book meeting perspective.
0: Okay. And so how long does it take? Like, like, how many sequences can one person run at a time? And, you know, what would you, I'm just trying to to back into, let's say, and I know you just have a new SDR that started. However, I'm sure you've been working this for a while. So you have some ideas. So like, what kind of results would you estimate if someone's working on this full time and doing it effectively?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, and this I'll, I'll kind of walk you through, you know, based on the historical data that we had, um, we, first of all, if you are making a first SDR hire, or you're not really sure, maybe you're making a switch to outbound, I think it's really important that the person that's in those shoes is knows that their feedback's valued and that they're going to help inform what the goal looks like over time, because listen, you can go with your best shot, right? Uh, based on what you know. So the way that we've kind of set Erica up for success is, I wanted her to get to a hundred accounts, a hundred of our target accounts that she's working interchangeably, right? Some are cycling off, she's cycling some in, trying to stay around a hundred that are running through this process step by step, right? Um, obviously, tech enablement helps with that, right? But there's still some manual nature to Getting off course there, or doing LinkedIn voice messages, things like that. Um, but she's working 100 accounts, and the goal to get to that point was: Hey, we could probably try to have you add at least 10 new target accounts to reach out to you daily until you get to the mark, and then let's try to maintain that. We kind of track them again. The goal that we set based on our data was: In your first 30 days of being operational, we want to try to have you hit 10 book. Meeting, uh, mm-hmm. She's at seven already. So I think, you know, she will probably get there. Um, and then in the next 30 days, the first 60 days, we wanted you to get to 12 book meetings. And then in the 90-day mark, we projected you should be doing somewhere around 15 meetings, and that would just be amazing, given her 80 team size and the types of meetings that she's driving. Um, Again, that's always subject to change, and I think should be evaluated fairly consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, so far it seems pretty on track with what we've estimated and predicted for success there.
0: That's awesome. That's yeah. great yeah. results. And and so like with that, like what would you say? Like I guess for who she's prospecting to, what's the what's the title? What's the size of the organization?
1: Yeah, so we're going after what I would probably consider or classify mid-market for recruitment firms. Um, So what she's really targeting is between like the 5 to 15 user potential. So that's like the sweet spot, you know. Um, Obviously more than 15 is fine too, but 5 to 15 is like the sweet spot. Um, And we're really trying to go after um, whoever... If it's a recruitment firm that's um, established enough and large enough to have an operations head, that's usually responsible for making sure the team is running efficiently, especially from a perspective field. That's Mm -hmm. what we're going after. And then we tend to go after VP and up from there. So um, the CEO, we like the top-down approach, believe it or not, the CEO, co-founders, uh, VPs of different divisions, uh, if they have a skill head, we'll go after that because that's super relevant well right now for most everyone. Um, that's what everyone's going down on, especially on the recruitment side. So that's what
2: we would normally go after.
0: Awesome. So, so are we talking with like 10 to 15 users or 5 to 15 users? Like how big of a company, like in terms of total employees, would that be? Yeah.
1: If you think about it, that is their business. Um, so if we take out like some of the leadership members that might not be as hands on tactical, we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, anywhere from like a 20 to like a 35 person company probably that would have that user base. Um, sometimes a little bit smaller. It just depends on the structure of the recruitment firm. But mm-hmm. that's why we work really well with them is because we enable them to both the sides of the business and human capital is their business, right? There's a little bit more drive to have an outbound process versus um, internal working teams in some mm-hmm. instances
0: okay awesome and and i assume you leverage interseller to do that
1: of course (laughs) that is like literally if interseller went away tomorrow well first of all i wouldn't have a job and it's not possible (laughs) i would cry it's something that i will take with me no matter where i go because it's just it's just made life so much easier from like a prospecting um it integrates right with salesforce so like we're just Mm-hmm. It's taking the bottleneck out of the process, so that the sales team is enabled to be able to run the same playbook without having to update Salesforce constantly. And you know, there's a big automated flow there that happens to help enable that.
0: Awesome, yeah, and, and that works cross-platform, doesn't it? Too with LinkedIn and
1: it does, yeah, with LinkedIn, with um, GitHub, with AngelList, all of the above. So nice.
0: that's yep. great, yeah. Well, awesome results. And I mean, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's definitely different in the aspect of looking at, you know, going more the, the quality over quantity route. Um, and to, with the goal to get five, or I should say 15 meetings in a month, you know, through one person consistently. A lot of companies would absolutely kill for that. So what, uh, and before we go, before we wrap things up, what would you say are, are things that you're seeing now and anything you're leveraging? for the holidays or this time of year with budgeting season, anything like that that you see is striking a chord with folks so they can leverage that?
1: Yeah, well, I'll tell you, we're still using the same like outbound FIRE framework, but people are definitely more open to conversations right now. I think it's more top of mind for them um, as they think about heading into a new year, just like mm-hmm. most you know, most sales cycles right now. Um, there's a lot of people who are thinking about budget. There's a lot of people thinking about, what am I going to do differently to make 2021 more powerful than what 2020 handed us? Um, mm-hmm. So I think, you know, in general, most people are more respected. Uh, I think, you know, there's a things to note here because I think mental health is really important. And I also think that you know, this is the time of year where people feel a little bit, like, I know I'm, I'm feeling moodier, you know, it's starting to get dark at 4.30 here. And I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm so tired <laughs> and sad. Um, and so I think what's really important is that you are taking more of that quality, creative approach to having conversations with people because I think people just need human interaction a little bit more right now, um, especially with the holidays coming up. So take the quality approach every time. I don't care if it takes longer. Practice makes perfect, and the more that you do it, the more uh, quick you get at it. And um, I think you know, just the personalization. That's it. Personalization,
0: personalization, personalization. The thing. <laughs> Excellent. So, where I, I really appreciate all your insights. There's a lot of, lot of great details here that you could leverage for, for a small business, like running your own business and, and not just relying on inbound. You know, like it's so funny, Christina, because now, um, like, you know how when you see something, like you can't unsee it and you yeah. see it everywhere? So I, I was uh, I was listening to or it was part of a, a group I'm involved with, and someone's like, basically, like, there's a lot of solutions out there that work, you know, for what you're trying to do, but everybody's campaigning, just like the politicians were campaigning for like their their platform, you know, and so like, once I see that, I'm like, that person's campaigning, that person's campaigning, that person's campaigning, and half of it's like bullshit <laughs> and, yeah. and half of it's legit. And like, I could see what you're doing is like totally legit and works well because people have come to me unsolicited and be like, Hey, Christina was awesome on the summit and her stuff works really well. You know, thank you for having that. I haven't even told you that. So, um, yeah,
1: my winter depression.
0: <laughs> yeah, so get you. And we were joking as well. We're twinning wearing both black shirts to, we're getting full emo to, to round things out right now as well. So, um, anyways, where can people find you? Where can they learn more about the outbound framework? Outbound fire framework. Or where can they learn about more about you and Intercellar?
1: LinkedIn, man. Like I'm an open book. Um, connect with me on LinkedIn, and everything is in my profile because you know I'm also a marketer. So, I've got that stuff wrapped up in there. So, yeah, you can find the framework. You can find me. Um, you can find Interstellar. Uh, there's a lot that you can find there, and I'm I'm happy to chat with anyone who's maybe thinking about outbound strategy and just not sure where to start. Like, let's let's talk.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being on. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Yeah. And you know, have an awesome, awesome end of the year, Christina. You too, Ryan. Bye bye. <laughs> Thank you for spending the time with me today. I know that time is one of the most valuable resources, so I truly honor and appreciate you coming along this journey with me. One of the things that I wanna ask you is if you really truly enjoyed this and know someone that this can make an impact on, please share this episode with them. If you're on a journey for financial and lifestyle freedom, it is always exponentially better if we're building a tribe with like-minded people who are on the same journey. In addition, I have an amazing PDF for you that could be career-changing in terms of the content. Essentially what it is are the top 10 questions that every big customer is asking behind closed doors that no one is telling you about. I'll put a link for it in the show notes, so check it out. It's my free gift for you for being a part of this launch and being a part of this journey with me, and I hope to see you soon.